Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 634 of the Juicebox Podcast. Victoria, she snuck one in on me, as they say. Victoria has type 1 diabetes. She met Spence at school. They are fast friends and have been on adventures together. Spence also has type 1 diabetes. Victoria listens to the podcast. Spence doesn't. But today they're both here to talk about their type 1 and their experiences in grad school. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice medical or otherwise, always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I particularly enjoyed this today because two people, similar age, very close friends, both have type 1, but they both sort of do diabetes differently, and it was interesting to hear their different answers to similar questions. I hope you enjoy it as well. Don't forget... If you're a U.S. citizen and you have type 1 diabetes, or you're from the United States and you're a caregiver of someone with type 1, filling out the survey at t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox helps the podcast and it helps people living with type 1. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Please head over to Contour Next dot com forward slash juice box to learn more about the contour next one. If you're interested in seeing which meter my daughter uses, that's the one. And that website is full of great information about it. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Yeah, so I'm Tori, and um, I met Spence last year when we started our MBA program, so we're grad students, and um, I was diagnosed with diabetes a little bit later in life. I was diagnosed when I was 23, living in New York City, and I thought it would be fun to come on for Spence and I to talk about kind of grad school, what we did during Zoom school all year, traveling a ton, um, just being super active. Um, We live in a place that you can be, you know, outdoors all year round, which is great. So yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Okay. So Victoria, you were diagnosed at what age? 23. 23. And how old are you now? Uh, 26. 26. And we're calling Spence uh, is yeah. a friend. Yes. We met, uh, yeah, last, last fall when we first came, came to school and, um, I had never had like a friend with diabetes before. Oh, so Spence, I was go ahead. really tell, excited. Tell me, tell me about yourself. Yeah, hi, Spence, uh, originally from Minnesota. Uh, I was diagnosed uh, quite a bit earlier at, at age six, and so and I'm currently 29, so I've been dealing with the, the throes of di- type 1 diabetes for, for quite some time now. I've done a lot in the way of traveling and sports just to try and stay active, um, regardless of the, of the disease. Um, but similar to Tori, came to our MBA program last fall and was Really excited to to meet a fellow classmate who also had type one, and so it was a great way to connect, and, and we stayed close ever since. That's cool. So, how did were you guys virtual, or were you together? You were. We were virtual okay. last year. Yep. So, how did you figure out one other? Like, what beeped? I'm assuming. Like did something beep and one of you was like... I, yeah, I went to brunch with one of Spence's roommates and I was wearing my Dexcom on my arm. Um, and she was like, oh, my roommate has one of those. And I was like, no, like they probably don't. And she was like, yeah. 
I think I'd rather talk to that person. I, I would like to hear about the. I'd like to hear about the lunch where they're like, "How many of these people am I going to meet in my life?" <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. So she goes back, tells she, he or she goes back, tells Spence like, "I met somebody today who has a Dexcom too, and you guys are in the same class together, that kind of thing." And you just started talking from there. Pretty much, I think even before she got a chance to get home, Tori had just jumped in my direct messages and and shot me a, a note to meet up and start talking about beers and insulin and you know all of all of the things that MBA programs consist of related to diabetes. So, <laughs> Tori, what made it so exciting? Like seriously, like what made you like reach? I mean, I'm looking at Spence, a handsome guy, but I mean, other than that, like what 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 made you go? Yeah, I hadn't even I hadn't met him in person yet, so I had no idea what he looked like. Um, (laughs) But um, I was just super excited to potentially have I didn't think I'd have another classmate with type one. Our class size isn't that big. So I thought for sure I'd be the only one. Um, But I again, I I kind of couldn't I didn't I couldn't really believe it when she was talking about it and uh, wanted to like meet someone and kind of be be their friend. <laughs> was this the first time you'd real you'd been in class like as an adult with somebody or I mean has this ever happened in the past? Yeah, I mean for me I I was out of school when I got diagnosed. So I I was kind of just like in the workplace and no one I really knew had type 1 and then I had kind of tried to meet people in New York, um, but I didn't have any close friends with diabetes. So mm. I thought it would be, uh, yeah, interesting to to talk more about it with someone. Now, Spence, you grew up with it. So you had to have known a few people growing up, right? Or no? Yeah, yeah. And I've actually had a couple friends along the way who have gotten diagnosed like later in life, similar to Tori. Um, so have been able to, you know, help them kind of manage the transition to being a type 1 diabetic and, you know, uh, often in complicated scenarios like junior year of, of undergrad. Um, so obviously a lot of changes that they come at you pretty quickly. Um, and so I've had the chance to you know have a couple friends along the way. How many, Spence? Is it possible you're giving people type 1 diabetes? <laughs> it, it could be. I mean, I <laughs> start to doubt myself here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say probably five or so. I have a, a first cousin who had it prior to, to when I was diagnosed. Um, and then you know, maybe three in my high school class, a fourth who got it senior year, and another close buddy junior year of, of college as well. Tori, do you have any family members with any autoimmune issues? I don't. My mom has a little bit of thyroid stuff, so, you know, all in the family, but um, was totally, totally shocked. <laughs> yeah, no, but, so you were shocked by type one, but we're going to call, we're going to, is, do you know if her thyroid is Hashimoto's or if it's just hypothyroidism? Has she ever... I don't know about that. It, it very well could be, though. I love asking people your age about their parents' health because they're like, what? what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we don't talk about that stuff. But um, even how about you, Spence? Uh, family line, you said cousin. Anything else? Autoimmune? Not not that I know offhand, no. Okay. Um, yeah. You don't have an aunt that runs to the bathroom after Thanksgiving dinner all the time or anything like that? Because that might be celiac and they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not that I've I've drawn attention to. I would love it if right there. now you outed one of your aunts and you're like, oh my god, actually, <laughs> yes. Uh, so I so we have two different perspectives here. Spence, who's known people with type one and has really grown up with it, and Tori, who's only had it for a couple of years and has never really met anybody else. I'm gonna guess that Tori was the more excited person in this in this meetup. But Spence, you probably knew the value of reaching back to her, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I think it was it was funny because tour, I, I've had it for so long um, that you know I I haven't been as involved as diabetes has come into the digital age and was surprised to hear Tori talk about podcasts and shows and and things like that that are out there that candidly I just hadn't been paying as much attention to. So while I think she was maybe hoping to to get a, a wealth of knowledge and information, like I probably got more insight and more resources out of the interaction at the end of the day. That's interesting. Tori, did that shock you? I mean, I think because I was diagnosed a little bit later, I I wanted to dive into the education. And I also kind of was diagnosed at an age where like my parents wouldn't really have helped at all. They were living across the country and I was in New York by myself. And it was something that I kind of had to manage day to day and didn't have another person or anyone to kind of talk to about management. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really dove into like the podcast and going to like, like seeking all the new technology and just kind of being really up to date, the Facebook group. Um, so I I didn't know Spence would, would have the same kind of um, up-to-date stuff that I was interested in. So uh, we I kind of shared a little bit more with him. <laughs> Spence, 20 years, you you probably started with Humalog, right? Uh, I, actually, I started with, I, I don't even know what the technical words were, but they called it regular. Oh, you, you um, that's far enough back for regular and MPH. So you were just shooting yep. a couple of times a day as a kid. Yeah, 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 and testing a couple times a day, and so I mean, it's it's really gone from, you know, having a couple data points that you're just you know kind of correcting around throughout the day um, to to where we are today, and these continuous glucose monitors and, and just a more much more efficient and, and real time monitoring. We know you both are wearing a G six, but Tori, or do you have a pump? I was inspired by you, Scott, and um, I got the Omnipod a couple months ago. Oh, this is normally where I like to say, hey, the price is going to go up next year um, <laughs> for the ads. Uh, ben Spence, do you have a pump? I do. Uh, I have the Tandem T-Slim uh, switched over from the Medtronic uh, Mini Med last year. Where, and you said you were from Wisconsin or Minnesota. Did you say that? Minnesota. Right yeah, now. Yep. you definitely got that. That The Medtronic is like, yeah, like it's uh, the company's up there and... So the sales is really close. A lot of people come out of that part of the country at Medtronic. Are you using Control IQ now or no? Yes. You are. Yep, I am. And Tori, are it's you waiting great. for Omnipod 5? Are you excited or? Yeah, I've been waiting for months. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're all waiting. It's but, coming. Don't worry. Yeah. We'll just, maybe we should write yeah. the FDA all together. I have no idea. Um, uh, but okay. So you, so Tori's on. And Tori, you listen to the podcast fairly religiously. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've learned my entire management from the podcast. Oh, wow. And Spence, you've never heard it? I, I have heard a couple episodes. Oh, a couple. I, but not yeah. enough to get you I, back. I, I can't say I've heard everyone, though. No. Like, you were like, oh, I can't keep listening to this. Is that was that? <laughs> after, after 20-some years, there's, there's only so much diabetes you can handle. Yeah, no, no. I, and that <laughs> makes a, a lot of sense to me, actually. So, okay. Which one of you has more stable control? question do you guys know have you do you ever talk about this like let's start with a1c we know a1c is not the end all but spence yours is oh geez i have to go back but i believe i believe it was high sixes okay how about you sorry yeah i've i was in the fives last year but i'm in the sixes this year okay is that lifestyle like what happened well yeah (laughs) even just being in our program even though we had everything school related be 
virtual. Um, a lot of our classmates were still in the area and we would, we did a lot of things, a lot, including like drinking and eating and, you know, going out to things and yeah. traveling. And it, it was, it was a little bit of a, a change of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Can you describe to people, either of you, both of you, um, what this has been like, like grad school virtually is it a like is it a bummer does it suck or like I, my son's a senior in college and he came home to me after you know covid hit and then i think he did a finished a semester in his bedroom did another full semester in his bedroom and then came to us and said we are wasting my time and your money and i'm gonna skip and go back and he just went back the other day so he's a little behind now but he just said like i i don't know what we're doing you know, does it feel like that sometimes? I think. Yeah, right. It does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in my in my opinion, um, yeah, it was it was a very different experience. But I think you know, super grateful that we still came and had the chance to to meet each other. A big part of our program is also the networking aspect, and um, you know, for me, like building a network on the the West Coast, um, having most of it located in the Midwest was, was huge. And so we're still able to achieve that, which, you know, for me was the biggest value add, but, but yeah. Do you think that the information you left in your brain with is the same as it would have been if you were together in a room? Probably not, but again, I don't know that that necessarily is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or that that was the, the primary goal at least from, from my point of view. Okay. But, I got you. Um, yeah, I have a question here. What about just the sedentary nature of it, right? Like now you don't have to get up in the morning and hustle and get out the door. Like, do you think that's got something like, is your, is your activity level lower than it would be normally? I think while we've been kind of where, um, in like the Bay area, then it is more sedentary. But what we kind of started to do last year was because we didn't have to be um, in the location the school was in. We we ended up going on the road a little bit. So we did a ton of skiing. We did, you know, a week in Salt Lake taking classes. We did a week in Colorado skiing and snowboarding. And then we went down to like Santa Barbara and spent a week there. We were in Hawaii for a week. Mm. Um, so in that sense, we were not sedentary. But when we were kind of just sitting in our own bedrooms taking classes, that was just a huge bummer. Yeah. Well, so you guys basically took advantage of this not having to be in a room and you're like, well, I guess wherever you have a laptop, you have a classroom. So let's go cool places. Well, that's a pretty good idea. That sounds yeah. like, yeah, that worked out pretty well, I would imagine. And you guys, I know this isn't my business and it's not what this is about. You guys are like not together. You're just friends, right? Correct. That's correct. Correct. <laughs> All right. It's got awkward and weird for a second, but I wanted to just understand. <laughs> so, um, so you just, you guys just became good friends through having type one. Can you explain either of you what that attraction is? Like there's, you know, there are certain parts of the podcast that I can't fill in and I don't have diabetes. So, um, why it's so important and why it feels, I don't know how it feels to you. Sometimes I mess with the open to the ad music forever thinking like it's going to make this like perfect mix to help get your attention. 
And then in the end, I think oh, it was a waste of time. But anyway, today I'd like to talk to you about the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Now, it doesn't matter if you have a Dexcom or a Libre, you still need an accurate meter. You, you, please, you need a good meter, okay? Not a crappy meter, not an okay meter, a great meter. You want to know that when you're testing your blood sugar, you're getting accuracy. The Contour Next One offers just that and many other things. For instance, the test strips for the Contour Next One possess second chance testing capabilities. That's a lot of words that just mean if you touch the blood, don't get quite enough and you go back to get more, that does not interfere with the quality of the test or ruin the test strip. Second chance test strips. See? Oops. No. Okay. And yeah. Beep. Perfect. The meter also has an incredibly easy to read screen. It's uh, very handleable. That's a word. Meaning that it's not too big and it's not too small. It's easy to travel with, carry in your bag or your pocket. And at the same time, not so small that you can't get a hold of it with your hand. I got the big hands. You know what I mean? Like the big, I got big hands. And I can still handle that meter perfectly well. It has a bright light for when I'm trying to do Arden's blood sugar in the middle of the night. And, well, it's just nice. It feels nice. It's got a good vibe about it. I don't know how to put it exactly. It's a great meter. It's actually my favorite meter that Arden has ever used. And I'm telling you, I've, if I had a stack of Bibles right now, I'd put one of my hands on it, put the other hand up in the air, and I would swear to that. Absolutely my favorite meter. Contour next dot com forward slash juice box. It's a great website, has a ton of great information. I've now used the word great three times in a row and didn't mean to, but it's too late at night for me to go back and edit this. So let's just say that the website is great, but it's also awesome, fantabulous, and has a ton of really useful information right at your fingertips. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Get a good meter. Yeah, you could get an okay meter. Uh, I wouldn't get a fantastic meter. Why not? I mean, it may cost less in cash than you're paying right now for your current meter through insurance. What? I know. I know it's crazy. Contournext.com forward slash juice box links in the show notes links at juiceboxpodcast.com. When you click on the links, you're supporting the show. Go get yourself a one fantabulous meter extravaganza. Get a good meter. You deserve it. Just don't take whatever meter the doctor gives you. Do a tiny bit of research. Help yourself. And now I will read you synonyms for great. Accomplished. Ace. Adept. Complete. Consummate. Crack. Crackerjack. Educated. Experienced. Expert. Good. Master. Masterful. Masterly. Practiced. Professed, proficient, skilled, skillful, versed, veteran, virtuoso. Words related to great, adroit, clever, deft, dexterous, handy, slick, sure-handed, gifted, talented, polished, refined. The Contour Next One blood glucose meter is refined in its workmanlike knowledge of blood sugar testing. I mean, it's great. I'm just going to stick with great. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just someone who 
is there who gets it. I mean, I think when we were traveling as well, it would be like, you know, one of our pods would stop working or kind of, you know, alarms would be going off and it's like, you know, like, are you good? Or like <laughs> someone there who always has, you know, sugar in case we're walking home and going low. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really nice to have someone that you don't have to explain things to. Like my roommates would, would totally, you know, help me in anything and, and be willing to be there. But I don't necessarily want to like sit down with them every time something happens and explain everything that's happening. And is that a function of, see, I feel like it's just a function of you don't want to have to do that. It would be like if I had to explain to somebody that I made dinner, like, right. Like if I had to say, Oh, here's what happened around four o'clock, I realized it was getting late. So I went to the refrigerator and I looked and now you're explaining this mundane (laughs) thing, like right step by step. It's not embarrassment, right? You don't want to not tell them because you don't want them to know you have diabetes. You just, this is not something you want to have to say out loud or revisit. Is that correct? Yeah. And I think it's just, it's such a hard thing to explain because it, it could be the exact same situation on a Tuesday and a Thursday and be completely different insulin needs are like, Oh, like I really want to go on a run, but I have so much insulin on board that like, I just, I'm not going to like, there's, there's, there's so many nuances. Yeah. My daughter's on her placebos right now in her birth control and she might as well be a different person with diabetes. Like just fascinating. And Spencer, I'm sure that happens to you on your birth control as well. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, I always tell my roommates, you know, when placebo time. <laughs> Look up. I'm going to – I need – it's interesting. Like, she needs more insulin during the pills um, because of, you know, because there's more hormones. And then suddenly you take the pills away, there's fewer hormones, and bang. Like, like Spencer, you don't have to – although I guess – you listen, I'm only looking at you guys from shoulders up, but you're a big guy, right, Spencer? Um, I, Bigger than Tori. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to get to, uh, you must have had similar situations when you went into puberty. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's again, what while ago, so, you know, can't recall exactly how turbulent it was, but, um, but yeah, I, I didn't even know that about, about birth control though. Um, so I learned something new. Yeah. I don't think it's going to come in real handy for you, but, uh, (laughs) so, so you guys are really interesting because Spencer gets, type one at a young age, pretty much young enough, I'm guessing where you don't like, you don't have any weird feelings about having diabetes, right? Like it just feels like you've always had it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And I think, you know, comparing our two experiences, like I, I've just, you know, grown up with diabetes and and have, you know, evolved and grown physically and mentally and whatnot, like with the disease. And it's just been a part of my life for so long that I've never really had to you know, make a material switch in lifestyle or, or anything like that. And so from, from my point of view, I think it would be more difficult to be diagnosed later in life and just have to do a, a total 180. Mm. And so have, you know, a lot of respect for Tori and, and other friends that have just had to, you know, refigure out and recalibrate their life later on. So what is my question here? It was, it was really fascinating to watch you when I, I asked about A1Cs earlier and you were like, I guess I could look somewhere. Like, you know, like, like, I don't really know, but Tori was more specifically understood what hers was. And is that a function of time, you think? Or do you think that's a function of Tori came up in a world where, like, Tori, you're, you, you, you think about diabetes the way I do, right? 
but Spencer, yeah. but Spencer doesn't think about it the way you do, right? No, yeah, I think we do have slightly different approaches to things. Okay, and yeah. what do you and what do you think that what do you think that this is going to be interesting? I'm going to ask both of you. Please try to be honest. What do you think the difference is, like? Tori, what do you think the difference is between how you do it and how Spence does it? And then I'm going to ask the same back again. I, I yeah, Spence and I don't usually really talk specific numbers because I feel like it's so personal. <laughs> but um, I mean, I like to stay ideally between like 80 and 110. Mm-hmm. And I think Spence one time was like, I, Spence, you can you could tell me if this is wrong, but you were like, oh yeah, like 90 is kind of low. I. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think just like from, from a high level, if, if I was to assess it, I think Tori is is more particular about like managing it, you know, very minutely. Whereas I, like my emphasis is on ensuring that diabetes doesn't slow down the lifestyle that I want to live. And that like, that's the macro factor that I'm trying to control for rather than like, you know, managing the the specific numbers, knowing that like it's obviously of of benefit long term. You know, the the better you can manage it day by day. But I think my my focus has always been on like living a lifestyle and and managing diabetes and not letting it get in the way of that lifestyle. Cool. Uh, please understand going forward, Spence, because you don't listen as much. That if I sound at any point in the next couple of minutes like I'm judging anybody, I'm not. Okay, I'm just trying to dig into something. Tori, does diabetes get in the way of your lifestyle? I don't think so. I think when I was first diagnosed, I was making choices that just would make it easier. Like I I ate a lot of low carb, Um, but now I kind of am am at a point where I can can have pretty good control no matter what I'm kind of doing or eating. So would you say that the podcast has helped you to think less about diabetes, but have more specific management ideas? Yeah, I think the podcast has been really good and you're really good at kind of just like being intuitive about things mm-hmm. and less about, you know, just like carb counting. And so being like, oh, like, yeah, you're looking at like a banana versus a piece of cake. And even if they're the same carbs, you intuitively know kind of what the difference is going to be for yeah. the management there. What's funny, because I think, from his explanation, I think Spence and I are in the same place where we don't think about diabetes very frequently, mm. but huh, I don't know. This is so, I find this incredibly uh, interesting. I, I appreciate the, by the way, people don't know, but I did not realize Spence was going to be on the program. So like two people popped up in front of me and I was like, uh, and by the way, this is probably the best I've ever done with two people. It's a, it's a learned uh, skill that I don't get to use very often. I have done some interviews with two people that when I'm done, I'm like, oh, I was so bad at that. Uh, but I, <laughs> I actually feel like this is going well. Yeah. If it's not, please don't tell me because you'll ruin my confidence <laughs> no. right now. <laughs> but yeah. um, No, I mean, Spence has done things that I feel like I would not be comfortable doing. Like he did like this huge hike in Spain through like France and like lived in like Australia, like just like without like like insulin for a while or like he's just done things that like I would not do. <laughs> and oh, okay. Spence, do you leave your blood sugar higher for stuff like that or what how do you like what does I guess what I want to understand is let me say something and then ask my question. I think that people who have had type 1 for a long time very commonly say I don't want diabetes 
to impact my life, which I think is a great message. And I agree with, I, I want to be super clear about that. I also think that it's a little bit, some people can use that statement as a crutch is not the right word, but an ex, I think excuse is the right word for not doing as well because, well, okay, sure. My blood sugar was 200 all day today, but I didn't let it get in my way. And, and I think that that makes a ton of sense in that time frame because the technology didn't exist. You couldn't see your blood sugars anyway. Like, I mean, who the hell would know, right? And now suddenly things have shifted and this technology exists for many people where you can suddenly see your blood sugar and the difference between impacts and foods and things like that. And I would say that Tori probably lives and doesn't let diabetes get in her way either. But I think the statement comes from two different places. Is that a fair statement from me, Spence? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the big thing it probably centers on, on your point around you know, what, what you grew up with or, or what, you know, what your baseline for learning about diabetes may have been and the fact that, you know, that, that baseline and, and the ability to control it more minutely has, has changed a lot over the last 20 years. Um, and it's definitely been a, a personal choice, you know, as to how much do you want to lean into that, that learning curve um, and, and keep up with it. Cause candidly, I would say I got, I, and you know, still am, but for a while was quite jaded just on, the, the lack of progression in the space and, and the fact that technology hadn't kept up um, with with diabetes in the same way that it had in other industries. And yeah. so um, was, you know, just got kind of fed up and, and just removed myself from the learning curve and have, you know, I, I would say, you know, as a result of, of meeting Tori and learning more about some of the, the resources out there and podcasts and, and whatnot have had an increased emphasis on, you know, trying to get better control or at least better technology. Um, not, I still wouldn't say to the same level that, that maybe both of you have, but um, definitely an improvement over before. So you said something I find really interesting um, because I, my daughter's had type one for uh, 14. God, now I don't know. Six. Oh, math. This is always fun. <laughs> uh, she's 17. She got it when she was two. 15. It's like, like for 15 years. Okay. And mandatory Spence is a hundred percent, right? Like it would be like four years would go by and a company would come out with a new meter. It was no more accurate than the meter they made before it was in a different shape or something like that. And people were like, Oh, finally, like, it was like, it was like it rained from the heavens, you know, and it was a meaningless improvement. If it was an improvement mm -hmm. at all, it wasn't until I mean, for my money, it's not till Dexcom where people like like things start leaping. And, you know, you don't even realize, um, you know, the rate limiting factors is, was always the FDA, really. And that there was no money in this. Like, if you're already buying a meter, what's this company's onus to make a better meter, right? Like, so Dexcom comes into the space and they make this thing and then they go, we can make it better. But then mm -hmm. the FDA is in the way because it takes so long. Dexcom actually hires people to learn about that process so that they can get through the FDA process more efficiently. Like that mm -hmm. kind of innovation lacked for people with diabetes. Like nobody was, nobody gave a crap and nobody was doing anything. Um, and so that kind of beat you down, huh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, when I was first diagnosed back in the mid 90s, the you know what they told me in the hospital was oh like they they think we'll have a cure in five years and then five years later it was like oh yeah next five years like 
we're going to get there. Yeah. And 20 years later, and to your point, you know, the, the first 15 years was really no development, no emphasis on development. And you have someone like Medtronic, who's just been the, the big dog on campus and has cornered the market and has all these captive patients um, that are just cash cows for their business. And there really wasn't, you know, the the motivation to develop better technologies. And candidly, it, it's really only now, I think, that you're seeing more of an emphasis from the general public on tracking blood sugars and, and whatnot, even for non-diabetics that I think, you know, will be the big catalyst that might push diabetes technology forward. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm all for the general public paying closer attention to their blood sugars because it's only going to help all of us. Yeah, man, it's true. And it's where you got to give a lot of credit to new pump companies too, because they actually, I mean, there's really two, right? There's Omnipod and Tandem and then Medtronic. And to your point about Medtronic being so big, you got to give those other two companies a lot of credit for wanting to be an insulin pump company, right? Because that's a, a they could just easily go, ah, Medtronic's got this. Like, what are we going to do? We, we can't make any kind of uh, debt in this. There's no business here, but they, they are. And it's a, uh, it's to it's to everyone's benefit. The competition is really important, you know, for advancement. Um, but Absolutely. but Tori, it's so good. Do you, is it weird to hear him say that? Like, because you don't feel like that. Like, there's just a cornucopia of stuff for you to choose from. <laughs> no, I mean, I I had issues that I've I've heard other people talk about as well, where I had to basically beg my endocrinologist to prescribe a CGM for me. Um, it was not really of interest to her. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and I've since kind of found another endocrinologist. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I, I, and I think it's when you're doing research, I mean, my, my, my main form of research initially was like Reddit. So it was kind of just hearing people's different experiences on Reddit, which, you know, can really be, can throw you in a, a whole nother direction. But um, no, that's kind of like how I, I was, I was deciding between the G6 and like the, the Freestyle Libre um, product. Yeah. Do you know, I'm starting to get, um, when people come into the private Facebook group, they there's like four questions they answer to make sure they're like living things. And um, one of them is like, where did you hear about the podcast? And I'm starting to hear Reddit more often, which I felt really good about because I, like you, thought of Reddit as a place where people complained about diabetes, not about a place. And which, by the way, I think there needs to be a place to complain about it. But I didn't think of them as like a group of people who were like, I wonder what I can like do. But it's nice to see that even in that space. Like people, and because that's also they're adults, which is important to me too. Like you know, I don't want to. I mean, I know the podcast is pretty much down the middle. It's talking to parents and adults, but I always I'm very careful and and hopeful not to abandon adults because like because Spence, you don't know this, and there's no reason for you to know. But I'm 50 years old, and when I was 18, my best friend was diagnosed with type one, and and he's not with us anymore. And he fell into a rut of this is the way it goes. This is what I was told. Yes, it's not going right, but it's not my fault. It's what the doctor said. He was taking regular and MPH. He didn't transition to um, a faster acting insulin when they became available. He kept doing what he was doing. And, um, you know, those kind of all those different influences impacted his health really significantly. And like I look at you and I don't know you and you might find this weird for me to say, but like, I want you to like, I want you to know what Tori knows. I don't, I don't care if you do it. 
Like I'm not into telling people what to do, but I don't want you to get to a point where you're like, oh, I didn't know. Like that's like, you know what I mean? Like as long as people are making informed decisions, to me, that's comfortable, like for me. But I don't want people to be in the position my buddy was in where he just didn't realize any of this existed. And he was just living like it was 1986 the whole time. And um, I know that's a bummer and I don't mean to be, but I like that the podcast is like, it's really exciting to me that Tori found it and is doing so well. Um, and, uh, it's exciting for me that you guys met each other because like, I'm now I'm dying to know, like now Spencer has to come back on the show, like three years from now. Like, it's not even like, he's not even allowed to say no to it. Cause I, <laughs> cause I want to know what happens next. Not that he's doing a poor job because he clearly isn't, he's doing terrific. Right. Um, and he, he adjusted, you adjusted on your own. Like you went to a different pump, you, you got the CGM, so you're not in the same scenario where you're like unaware. It's just that you have, you're going to always be colored by those first years, I think. And, um, I don't, I, I hope that doesn't like, I'm not even talking about you. I'm talking about everybody. I hope that doesn't hold people back that feeling of this isn't worth it. Cause it's not, it's not going to be any better, um, when it obviously can be. So I don't even know you might have taken great offense to me just now. I don't, I, I apologize if you did. No, no, not at all. I, I think that was all that was all very fair, cool. and I'll I'll take you up on that offer to come back. Yeah, no, I would <laughs> love my to, motivation. Yeah, I would love to know like what your relationship. Plus, you guys will be married by then. You don't even realize it now. <laughs> you have sixteen super diabetes babies, probably. <laughs> Is that God, that? That would be a lot. <laughs> oh, trust me, one's a lot. Um, I'm going to ask both of you a similar question. Do you, I realize this is not the part of your life. I realize you guys aren't together. I'm teasing you. But um, <laughs> do you think about having kids? Do you worry about diabetes for children? Has it run through either of your minds? I can't say I put significant thought into it. No, but I I don't think it would, again, hold me back from living a, a normal life or, or at least intending to, to live a normal life and start a normal family at whatever time that's appropriate. I don't think anyone listening is surprised that a guy your age hasn't thought about having a family. And, uh, <laughs> but Tori, right. I mean, I've definitely thought about it and I, I see kind of parents in the Facebook group and I feel like I might, I might feel this way as well, even though I do not plan on having children anytime soon, but I feel like I might feel even more like passion and then maybe guilt if my children, if my child's blood sugar isn't going that well. Like for me, it's like, okay, like, you know, I have a bad day. I have a bad day, like whatever. But I feel maybe like if my child has a, you know, a day in the 300s all day or something, I'm going to like freak out. <laughs> and I feel like it would be more of like a mental stress actually. Tori, tell me how old you are again. I'm 26. You, the chemicals in your brain are about to, like attack you and make, they're about <laughs> yeah, to say, I mean, like, I'm yeah, no. going to whisper right <laughs> years away. Like, Tori, have a baby, have a baby. And you're going to be like, no, I don't want to. I'm young. I just got my MBA. <laughs> and they're going to be like, no, 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 no. It's, it's try to fight it because also you're going to like guys you don't even like when that starts happening, you're going to be like, he seems okay. Like it's going to get real weird. And I, it's how I tricked my wife. Uh, but no, it'll be like immaculate conception if that happens. So <laughs> in case your mom's, it'll, I mean, yeah, case your mom's listening. Right, right. I understand. Yeah. Um, I had a thought for Spencer and now it's out of my head. Hold on a second. Um, Spencer, what would you say to parents who would, who are right now raising kids with like, 
like legit gold star like a1c's their time and range is like crazy and they know one day their kids are going to go into high school and college and take over their own um management you know and it's not going to probably be the same like do you think there's any comfort that you could offer in there yeah i mean candidly i i wish you know maybe my my parents had been more like that and more i think they they transitioned and were willing to pull back you know earlier than maybe they they could have or should have um i i don't know but i think at the end of the day like you're gonna have to transition the the knowledge and the the ownership and and everything over to to your kid and i think it it's just gonna happen naturally like you're you're gonna have to let your kid go out and play with other kids and be away from the house for a while and that's gonna extend into school and, and college and living on their own and you know partying and probably drinking and whatnot. And so I, I think it's probably natural for any parent to be worried and, and any parent of a diabetic to be even more worried about those kind of things. But again, I think that's that's all part of life. And if you've instilled the the knowledge and you know the the emphasis and the the learnings in your child for you know, good management and what that'll bring them later in life. I think that that's all you can do. And at some point, yeah, you're going to have to just let go a little bit. Where do you think your parents being more involved would have been beneficial? Maybe, maybe just following up and and keeping up to date with, with trends and and new things coming out and, and just a greater, you know, emphasis on, the sugar management and uh, kind of watching your diet and and whatnot there. Yeah. So you, those. am I, am I understanding that you get like a baseline understanding of how to keep your diabetes, you know, whatever it is in check, we'll call it. And so you're doing, you're taking steps every day as a kid. And as long at the end of the day, as long as you're not dead or passed out, then this was a good day and you must be doing right. But there's so much more underneath of it that you can't possibly follow as a child. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I'm sure it's difficult from the parent's point of view as well, mm-hmm. not having diabetes and trying to, you know, they're probably not sure how, how serious to take a, a high blood sugar or a low blood sugar and, and how, you know, minute or how, how, how much to micromanage it. Um, but I think over, over time, like you just kind of naturally had to take more ownership and you know if my blood sugar went low in the middle of the night as a kid like I wasn't waking my parents up you know at, at some point pretty young to to deal with it it's like I would go downstairs and make a bowl of cereal and get my blood sugars back up and because I was doing it and I was a you know seven eight year old kid like maybe the blood sugar shoot too high and or maybe it's not a pull like a perfectly calibrated recorrection yeah um and so I think you know, over time, it's just kind of more and more ownership that was transitioned over. You know, what's interesting is that um, I've spoken to like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and adults <clears throat> whose parents weren't super involved when they were kids are always very careful to protect their parents when they talk about it. And uh, like it, it, it'll, it, it borderlines on the defense. They, they want people to know my parents did a good job. Like, like this was what, and people whose parents are super involved will say like, my mom was up my butt the whole time. And I'm like, wow, people are so complex. Like, right. Like it's, it, it, it's so, it's so interesting. Like 
it, like I feel like if if Spencer's parents were like super involved right now, I'd be like, I wish my parents would have just given me a little more space. And it's 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 interesting how um, no matter what, like, like you guys don't have kids, but one day you'll see like no matter what you do, like you can't win is how it feels sometimes like, like, right. Like, it's just like when you do something, people are always going to have, it's not bad. Like, I'm not like, dude, like, I think your parents probably did a terrific job, especially the time you were diagnosed. And it sounds like you were a fairly um, responsible kid, which probably gave them a lot of confidence and, and, you know, uh, solace. Uh, but it's just, it's super interesting. Like you, you don't know, cause you haven't heard all the responses, but um, there are studies that, that indicate that, people with type one, um, do well with having parental or some sort of, um, you know, somebody to lean on into their mid twenties, like it, because it's such a difficult, like complex thing that sometimes you just need somebody to bounce it off of. Um, Tori, do you have somebody or who do you, cause you don't, it sounds like you, you and Spence have a really interesting relationship. Like it's not, it's because you guys have diabetes that you met each other, but you don't speak about it very often. So who do you talk to when you're confused about what you're doing? Yeah, I think we talk about things at like a high level, but we don't get super, super nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think a lot of people with diabetes who are maybe like adults and I don't know, don't have a ton of people to bounce things off of. So I just kind of think about it myself. <laughs> yeah. Does the, does the podcast substitute for humans? Like, do you just listen to people's conversations and kind of... <laughs> Like, I'm not saying you pretend you're there, but you know what I mean? Like, is you're like, oh, well, here's another person talking about it that I can't find in my real life. Yeah, totally. And I, I love when you talk about specific situations, like with Arden, um, and kind of like what you do or how you're doing things, or if someone else talks about specific situations as well. Yeah. I think if I did that with Spencer, he'd punch me. I think if I was like, here's what I would do with this pre bowl he'd be like, dude. I'm all right. Thanks. <laughs> not that I would, not that I would infer myself onto somebody. Um, but I just, I think there's a, I don't know. There's like a card you get when you've had diabetes for a while. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, you can see it on people. It, it's, a, it's sort of this quiet confidence of like, I have this. Um, does it feel like Spencer, because you grew up taking care of it so much on your own, like, does it feel, would it feel strange if somebody tried to interject themselves? Like, what if, what if we suddenly made you married and your spouse was like, I'd like to help with this? Do you think you'd be like, I don't need your help with this? Or do you think you'd be, where do you think you'd be with that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, initial reaction might be, you know, a little averse or, or a little resistant to, to taking, you know, someone's help. But I think, in actuality, I probably would appreciate that and, and would welcome it in at some point, um, especially if it was done just in a, you know, like a genuine trying to help sort of way um, rather than, you know, like a forceful takeover of my management. And, and I, as Tori knows, like I'm not a big fan of being micromanaged and, and whatnot. And I think that would translate into the, the diabetes as well. But yeah, I do, I do feel like I was... Uh, you know, maybe forced to be like very independent with, with that. And as a result, just independent in life, you know, very early on. And so, um, yeah, can't say I've, I've had that level of like handholding in a long time, but yeah, I think would be something I'd welcome back in. Did you ever go through a bad spot? Like did your A1Cs ever get super high and you stop taking care of yourself or? 
No, no. I mean, I, I've, I've never been in denial over it or anything. Um, and, and I'm sure the high A1Cs are all, all relative. Definitely had better periods of management and, and worse. Um, you know, the, the worst probably being you know, a big chunk of time where I was working like 70, 80 hours a week, you know, was on the, the old Medtronic pumps, which I, you know, I could go up, go on a rant about, um, and just, you know, just trying to like keep up with life and diabetes was just the, you know, annoying distraction that was, if anything, just keeping me from like performing at the same level as everyone around me. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say that that's probably the worst. This is normally the time where I say out loud, uh, Medtronic, it's not my fault. People don't like your stuff. And, uh, <laughs> then I move on gracefully. <laughs> Tori, I have a question. Please try to answer it honestly. I'm trying not. I'm not trying to break up your relationship together. But has he ever done something like with his insulin or something where you bit your lip and you were thinking like, dude, no, 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 not like that, or do more or something? Like, have you ever had that feeling? I'm gonna ask Spencer the same thing. So, just I'm just wondering if you've like because it sounds like it sounds like you guys don't get involved, but it, it still must be. Like you're aware each other understands what you're doing, right? Like so you're together and you're doing something. Like if you ever looked up and thought, dude, that's not 45 carbs, that's 60 carbs, or like <laughs> like something like that. Or I mean, I think we we've shared our blood sugars when they're going really well. <laughs> because um, I mean, it's it, it's again, it's it's so personal, and I would never ever want to make like expense feel bad about something. I mean, I feel like sometimes he's like riding a little high, and I'd be I would like give a correction at that spot, mm-hmm. but like I I'm not I'm never gonna like say anything or judge or yeah. <laughs> Dude, I love your guys' generation. You're so kind to each other. Like she w- did not answer my question until the very like she's like I guess I'm gonna have to answer. He's just gonna press me more. So. Um, but I, I really do love that you guys are just like, everyone cares about each other's feelings. Somebody did something, my daughter's 17, and somebody did something crappy in like their circle. Last night I said, you know, if this was the 80s, you could just be really horrible back to them and it would feel terrific. I was like, but you guys are not allowed to do that anymore. So I think you're supposed to just accept them for who they are and move on. Uh, <laughs> but Spencer, really, what does she screw up that you want to talk about and you just don't say anything to her? <laughs> yeah, no, I... I definitely don't think it's, it's anything to screw up. And, and as you know, we, we pointed out here, I think Tori is, is better at, at managing the, the numbers themselves than, than I am. I think if anything, maybe I've, I've encouraged Tori or, or maybe tried to like open her eyes that there are like, like you can still take risks with diabetes and, and go on adventures and, and things like that. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think that that might be the only, the only area that I'd say like it, it, you know, diabetes can, can feel like it's holding you back, but, but it doesn't have to. And I think maybe combining, you know, both of our viewpoints would get to the, the ideal state where you can, you know, still live like a, you know, the, the adventurous life that you want while, you know, closely managing your, your diabetes and um, getting good numbers. I have a couple of things here. So have you ever like, have you guys ever like split a sandwich and she's bolused like 35 carbs and you were thinking 20 and you think, Oh hell, I guess maybe it's 35 or like, has that ever happened? You know, we've shared a lot of meals, but we've never talked about it's fascinating. what we're dosing or the carbs we're dosing for. I don't think ever. Tori, don't listen to this next part. Cause I don't want you to feel weird, but Spencer, I- I'm really pretty straight. I'm thinking of leaving my wife and, pursuing you like you seem like a really solid guy 
<laughs> like every one of your answers, it seems like genuine and well thought out. And like that idea that together you guys are like a great uh, bank of knowledge of like now and before and how valuable it is together. And like you're seriously like you're dating, right? Like somebody's trying to marry Spencer. Really? Like, seriously? Like, Tori, you're fine, but Spencer's amazing. Like, you're getting that, right? <laughs> and I don't mean just fine. Like, like you're cool. Like, you... He, all right, let's pretend he's not here for a second. He's a super good guy, isn't he? Don't yes, look Spencer's at him, a great Tori. guy. Don't look at him. Like, look at me. It's just my picture, but look at me. He's a really good person. Is he... Am I wrong? Am I getting it wrong? Yeah, he's he's not perfect. <laughs> Okay. All right. He's, he's not like Robin Banks or like, are there a trail of women who think they're about to call him, but he's not really going to, or is like anything like that going on? <laughs> no, he's just, you know, riding his motorcycle away. <laughs> <laughs> Spencer, how long do you have to be with a uh, person before you tell him you have diabetes? Um, I mean, it, the, the beeping is usually give it away for me. Um, just yeah, very various insulin pump beepings, um, but I I mean I'm very open about it and don't don't conceal it at all. Yeah, Tori, how about you? Is it hard to date because of it? Yeah, I feel a little bit weirder about it. I usually won't say anything on like a first date. Yeah, have you heard the um the After Dark episode with the woman who talked about having sex with a pump and all that? I don't know if I've heard that one specifically. I think I, I think I have. Yeah. I think I have because you were saying something. She was like, "Oh, like I don't know if I want to be like like naked with my pump on," and you were like, "Oh yeah, but like you're just naked. <laughs> it's fine." I, I um I I remember somebody saying something about them having their infusion set on their hip, and I wanted to. I guess I'll have to. Will I bleep this out? I don't know. Like, Spencer, a lot of kids listen to this podcast, too. Um, but my <laughs> follow-up question, like, where I thought she was going with it was that, like, I'm just going to say it. I'll bleep it out. That I was out of the question <laughs> because of that. And then she went in a completely different, like, way. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, see, there I'm – I wasn't even trying to be funny. Like, I really felt like that was what, where she was headed with the statement. And then I was like, that, oh, it's something completely different. Like, there's all these other things to think about. But what I found mostly was when I spoke to I, – because I spoke to an adult man and an adult woman who both had had type 1 for a while. And it was like they both were just – like, initially the concern is embarrassment. Like, like that's the initial concern, which I felt terrible hearing. And then after that, when you're in a real relationship, it becomes more functional about your the the, the equipment, and I mean the diabetes equipment. And then from there, <laughs> it becomes more of like, what happens if I get low or high during the event, which is what I ended up calling it, because I didn't know what else to say. Um, and it was just interesting to watch how it grew from where the initial concerns were to, you know, how how, how it went through the process. So... Um, is it not sexy, Spence, to throw your pump aside? Like, like, do you do it when she's like taking off her pants so she can't see you? Like, like, you like, wh where does it happen? Just tell me one thing, because yours is tubed, <laughs> so there's more for it to you. Tori's got a Omnipod; she's okay. But you, you, uh, you got you take your dude. You take it off, right? Yeah, yeah, I have uh, perfected the, the the quick unclip at this point. So. <laughs> uh, see. That's the stuff parents don't want to know is going to happen when their kids go to college. <laughs> and I have to write down 50-40 where I said, dial.
Oh, and now I got to write down this time because I said it again. Uh, <laughs> uh, the quick unclip super seriously could end up being the title of this episode, just so you know. And I'm sure Tori's, as, a, as more of a listener, Tori's disappointed that something she said hasn't become the title yet, but um, that was really cool. Tori, are you upset that you invited him on now because he's so nice? <laughs> no, I think it's great. It, this was really this was a great idea. I want to say to other people who are coming on, please don't spring other guests on me. Although this worked really well, but that doesn't mean yours. Tori's just got an eye for it. Tori, you're like a like a budding producer of audio content. Um, but I, I appreciate that. Spence, what, does she ever tell you about the podcast? Like, does she ever break down yeah. and go like, "There's here's an idea or a thing I heard." Um. Yes. Yes. I specific instances like don't come to mind right now but i know she's like a very avid listener and has, has definitely pushed me on the podcast and, and plugged it as the main source of information um that i think she she goes to or, or just like actively how does that with. how does that hit you like internally when when she or somebody else says to you there's a thing about diabetes i think you should check out is it like do you brusque against it or does it feel like something you might consider it, it's it definitely feels like something I would consider. Um, it, again, I think the resistance is just like knowing how to incorporate something else into to life. I think my, I think for the longest time, like my tendency has been to try and minimize diabetes in, involvement or influence in my life as much as possible. And so, um, you know, the the thought of like converting all of my podcast consumption or a significant amount of it over to diabetes um, and just like increasing that involvement is probably where the, just like subconsciously the resistance comes from. Do you but, think uh, no, knowing that it's not the right answer and that I, it would be beneficial to do so. No, that's really honest. I appreciate that. Do you have, um, do you think you did it? The idea of like, cause you've said it a lot now, like I don't want diabetes to encumber my life. Like, does it not? Or does the pursuit of not letting it take up a lot of your time? That, that's no, an obtuse no, question. I, I, I would say I've been very happy with how little I've let it encumber my life. And, and have, I mean, that's, that's been a big source of pride um, for me yeah. in terms of like what I've been able to do and, and what I hope to continue doing in the future. Yeah. Um, but that, that said, like, you know, as we've talked through here, can certainly do more and, and would hope to be able to, like, increase the accuracy and whatnot while still minimizing any any sort of influence negatively in, in life. Is there a feeling like there's time? Like, I don't need to do it right now. I'm young. Like, I can. Does that ever come into your head? Like, because you're talking about that there might be more out there, fine tuning or whatever you want to call it. But does it feel like it's not important to do yet? No, no. I mean, I like I, I know the impacts of doing it earlier um, and, and that they're all positive. Uh, I think the thought was has been more that we, you know, you only have one life to live and, and there are a lot more experiences and, and things to do when you're young, um, whether for a diabetic or non-diabetic. And so prioritizing and emphasizing those experiences now in my mind would ensure that I wouldn't look back in, in 40 years, kind of regardless of my condition then and wish that I had done more. I'm totally in love with you, Spencer. That's all. I mean, in a very like, like bro way, but, um, 
you're my new favorite person. So, um, Tori, I got to talk to you more because I feel like I'm, I'm I'm leaving you out. I apologize. Uh, no, it's okay. I third wheeling. <laughs> you guys like definitely like. Do you have any other diabetes friends? Like, is this going to be a cabal? Is it going to turn into a thing or? Um. So there is there is uh, our program is two years and and there were uh, two other people last year who were a year above us who had type one and I'm wondering if there's there's new incoming students who who are diabetic as well but right now it's just the two of us. You guys, I mean, I know somebody saw like a, a mutual friend saw your Dexcoms, but it, are one of you more visibly diabe- diabetic? That was weird. Like, do, does one of you not hide your stuff or? Like, do you not care? Like, where do you stand with that? A lot of people worry about that for their kids. Like, Tori, where do you wear your pods mostly? Yeah, I I don't really care, but I actually don't love using the back of my arm because I feel like it catches on things, especially the Omnipod. I feel like it's a little bit big. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like wearing my pod on my legs, like my thighs. And then I almost always wear my Dexcom on my stomach. Okay. How about you, Spencer? Where do you put your sets? Um. Yeah, usually pump on on my legs it just seems to be kind of the most out of the way um spot and then i have been wearing the dexcom on the back of my arm uh quite a lot just i actually find the opposite and i think it's it's pretty out of the way there and um yeah i I think i've grown to think like appreciate it more as like kind of a, a soft flex as well when like people people will ask about it or or say like you know what what's the thing on the back of your arm and it you know people are usually like surprised to hear if they didn't know already that that you're a diabetic um so it's been a good conversation starter too i love that he said soft flex there was one time i started a conversation <laughs> with somebody and i said this is going to seem like a weird flex but i have an incredibly popular diabetes podcast <laughs> even as i was saying it i was like i feel really douchey saying that out loud for some <laughs> reason uh but you know some some you know trying to jump into a conversation you need something to get going sometimes um tell me in both of your opinions, you, you, I'm assuming maybe both will have a different answer, but what's the best place you went when you were doing, you know, your, your version of studying abroad? Where did you enjoy Tori the most that you guys were at? Oh man. I mean, we, I'm a big skier and Spence's big snowboarder. So we did some great, I mean, I got in more skiing days than I ever thought possible this past year but um salt lake was absolutely amazing and then aspen colorado was amazing but then i mean we did Kauai, which is an island i've never been to in hawaii earlier this spring and it was absolutely breathtaking like it was stunning no how about you spence do you agree yeah yeah i'd say big sky montana and aspen colorado were pretty spectacular and then um yeah mexico as well was 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 just great What's it, um, what did you learn about traveling with insulin and stuff like that? Was there anything that you would tell people is an absolute must? I actually, I, one of my more recent trip, I got, I got stopped and like patted down at the airport and like taken into a room for me to like show them my, um, pods and stuff. So I've learned you got to bake in a little bit of extra time. <laughs> but other than that, I, I've never really had an issue bringing stuff. I, I mean, I've learned to always bring extras. And when I first started on the Omnipod, we had we driven up to Bend, Oregon, and there was a hot tub. Um, and I, I thought it would be fine. <laughs> but the Omnipod was not fine in the hot tub. And I, I didn't bring enough extras. Did you cook the insulin or did it make the adhesive fall off? No, the pod itself, the the PDM wouldn't connect. It just stopped working. Oh, no kidding. 
That's fun. Yeah, you have to have a lot of I when we travel, I could probably take care of four people with diabetes for like a week. And because especially when you're just like, like I have to say, I guess if I'm in if we're in America, this is before COVID, like, but if you're in America, I always feel like, okay, we can get to supplies pretty easily if something goes wrong. And I don't feel like I have to have too many. But we have vacation a time or two in St. John. And um, so when we when we leave the contiguous, then I'm like, all right, let, let's bring extra stuff with us. Um, but Spencer, she said something earlier that you traveled once without insulin. Is that true? Or did I misunderstand her? Um, I don't, yeah, I don't I don't recall. I, I usually always travel with, with yeah. a lot of it was it was when you were in like Australia or just Southeast Asia yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I I did a, a big nine month trip around the world after graduating undergrad. And at, at one was on the Medtronic pump at one point um, in Bangkok, Thailand, the pump malfunctioned. And all I had was, um, you know, fat, fast acting Humalog and, and a few syringes. And it was <clears throat> a couple of days before I was heading to Australia. And so it was, was basically just like giving my sh- myself short acting shots, like very frequently while waiting to go to Australia. So Medtronic could ship me a new pump to that international destination because it was kind of a multi-day lead yeah. time and wasn't sure where I would, where I would be. So how, it was, uh, how few yeah, syringes did you have? Were you reusing them? Yeah. 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 I bet. Right? <laughs> yes. Because that's the worst thing that could happen to you. You run out of those, those, um, those syringes in that situation. Wow. So you didn't yeah. have any, you didn't have any, um, well, obviously, you didn't have any basal insulin, so you were just probably making small injections along the day. Did that yep. did that mess up your plans? Like, did you end up hunkering down and doing that, or did you just keep doing what you were doing? Um, no, I mean, I, I certainly, I, I don't think it was the smartest flight, but yeah, I, I had an itinerary and a, and a ticket booked, and was traveling on a budget, and so I stuck with that and just kind of suffered through the forty eight hours and in Bangkok, um, in the hostel by myself and then figured everything out when, when I got to Australia a few days later. Wow. I, uh, I have to say that I, I, I understand you wanting to preface it and saying it wasn't the best thing to do, but I think it's great for people to hear that you got into a situation like that and you, you made your way through it. Like I'm assuming yeah. no CGM back then, right? Oh God, no. Yeah. I, I mean, it was, yeah. Checking a, a few times a day and yeah, it, and this this was only a couple of years ago. So again, to the point of like how quickly things have, have evolved for the better, um, at least in my personal management, um, it's, it's just been kind of night and day traveling yeah. with the CGM now versus, you know, backpacking with, you know, shots and, and a finger prick a couple of years ago. Do you have, do you have wanderlust, what they call wanderlust? I, I, I think that would be an accurate diagnosis. Yeah. And Tori, how about you? Did you, did you, uh, were you diagnosed with it this year or did you always have it? <laughs> no, I've loved to travel. I kind of did the, the study abroad thing in undergrad. Um, and then a little bit after college, but no, it's great. That's really cool. It really is. I'm, I'm jealous of both of your, uh, travel schedules and, and everything you've been able to accomplish and still go to school. Do you think you'll ever work? Tori, or is this school thing going to go on forever? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the school thing is working for me right now. But no, we, we graduate next spring. So <laughs> it'll be time to, oh boy, it'll be soul crushing for you guys if you have to stay stable. Do you think that this COVID thing maybe is going to make it possible for um, for you to have like tangible jobs without having to be tied to one area? 
Yeah. yeah. I think especially in, in the Bay area, that's a, that's been, been a thing that companies are really leaning into. It's mm, interesting. Um, do you, can I ask what, what do you guys th- like, what's your area of study? Yeah. So we're, we're getting our MBAs, um, which is kind of a more generalist degree, I guess you don't have to really declare like a concentration or, or a major or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm actually getting into healthcare. Um, so kind of like the healthcare companies. Spencer, you're dating service, teaching guys how to say the right thing. <laughs> Is that what's going on here? No, what are you doing? <laughs> no, not not yet. Um, I've I've actually been been working in the cannabis space for the last couple of years. So I'm currently doing a, a cannabis startup with with another classmate here. Oh, so a, very excited about that industry. That's a that's a great idea. Um, yeah. the way things are going. What um does uh, smoking impact your blood sugar? I, I don't really smoke in particular in a lot, um, but the like cannabis ingestion in, in general, I don't, I haven't noticed a particular impact on blood sugars, but obviously the associated munchies and consumption of, of food that can go along with it, um, that, that you have to be careful with. Are you saying you use edibles more often or? Yeah. Yeah. Compared to smoking. Okay. Tori, um, I, I'm, I'm not a big consumer in general, but, but yeah, but you're in the space, but that's interesting. So you see the val. So do you see it as a business thing or a value thing or both? Primarily a business thing, but, but I'm also pretty passionate just about the social equity component of, of cannabis and where the industries come from. So that's, that's definitely a component to it. That's as well. very cool. I'll tell you, I would be interested in talking about the, um, the, the political ramifications of trying to get into this space because I imagine it's fascinating. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of big companies are trying to take the space, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I we could have a huge conversation about it, but there, it, it's definitely an example of if you have money and, and resources and can compile those quickly, you can enter the space and and achieve success uh, versus you know others trying to to bootstrap it or you know mom and pop shops trying to get in mm-hmm. i think barriers to entry are much higher and and more difficult and so it's it, it varies state by state but um yeah it's a good example of access to resources and, and what that can get you yeah and tori you smoke a ton you were nodding like crazy earlier what, what are you doing <laughs> no i mean i think we've, we've uh, yeah we've, we've had a lot of fun this year but um no i mean i think just in in general i don't notice an impact on my blood sugars but it is you know I can kind of forget about them <laughs> and then, you know, I won't be checking it for a while. Then I'm like, Oh, I guess I should check that. <laughs> for a second. I thought I finally figured out why Tori wanted to be your friend. I was like, Oh, I see what's happening. <laughs> She's getting it on the ground floor of this. Um, do you have to know about growing or are you going to hire a grower or how do you think about that? Or for cannabis? Yeah. Um, I mean, there are many different business models. The the couple startups I was working for before did do all the growing in house themselves. Um, you know, the the current business venture that that I'm working on, we're we're not growing anything ourselves, and and most most edible products are using some sort of distillate type um, base input, and and there, there's a whole marketplace for that. And so you don't need to be vertically integrated and and own the growing portion of the supply chain yeah i would imagine and i want to be sure that i say i am i'm more than a neophyte in this space i only know what i hear from people but i would assume like if you're going to be making edibles if you could get them to be very consistent that would be a big deal for people right absolutely yeah that's huge 
that's huge. Wow. And a, a big thing that we're we're going after with with our new venture. Right. So that people don't end up like overdosing in a, in an incredible amount of time. So I know you guys got to yeah. go, and yeah. um, and I want to thank you very much for doing this. Let me just ask you: Is there anything you want to say before you get out of here? I don't think so. You can. I mean. You can find us on Instagram. We're starting like an Instagram together. I don't know if people want to follow us, but it's called Insulin Influencers. So it's insulin and then influencers, but they share the I-N in the middle. Okay. All right. I will. Uh, you send me the link. I'll put it in the show notes. These don't go up for a while, so I apologize if it, it, uh, it'll take a little bit of time. But uh, thank you very much for doing this. Let me stop the recording and thank you like real people and I'll let you out of here. So appreciate you know it's been eye-opening for me to see the you know this podcast and what you know parents like you and, and others are doing for us in the space so thank you for what you're doing here I think you're very kind i i appreciate you taking the time to do this i really do first a huge thanks to victoria and spence for coming on the program today and sharing their story with us. Thank you very much. I'd also like to thank the very capable and competent and all around great, I almost said great. How, look at me, I'm trying not to say great for fun. All right, let me try again. I'd also like to thank the very capable and competent blood glucose meter called the Contour Next One. Do you know it? It's clever, deft, and dexterous. And it's going to do for you I mean, it's going to do, it's going to give you a good, accurate blood sugar test. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Man, I ran out of steam on that one. And now that I'm done, I'm seeing here ACE. I could have been like the contour next one. Blood glucose meter is an ACE. It's ACEs. Ooh, ACEs. It's skilled and well-versed in blood glucose meters in blood glucose. I really should write this down before I say it. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.